the lights were dimmed and the symphony hall was full of sound as the Handel and Haydn Society performed a rendition of Mozart's Masonic Funeral, one of the oldest and most revered performing arts organizations in the country, the Handel and Haydn Society was playing for over 2,500 people in the symphony hall. It was powerful music, and as it came to a close, pin-drop silence filled the symphony hall until the quiet was shattered by a voice. The voice sounded like a child, and it just said one word, wow. The audience began to laugh and then began to applaud in, in total agreement. We live in a world where efficiency is prioritized above wonder, and action above awe, and effectiveness above amazement. We get so caught up with the things we need to do, the work that needs to be accomplished, the chores that must be completed, the emails that must be sent. And I wonder how often we miss these moments of awe, these moments when we are surrounded by God's beauty and when all we are called to do is say, wow. The president of the Handel and Haydn Society later said of this experience, it was one of the most wonderful moments I've experienced in the concert hall. And the question for you and me is whether we are willing to slow down, to stop, and then occasionally to make some time for the beauty and the awe of the wondrous moments that are presented to us. This morning we read from the book of Exodus about Moses. As a young person, Moses seemed to have been impulsive and reckless. It seems like he was more likely to rush headlong into a crisis than he was to carefully consider it and listen for God's voice and reflect on the situation. When he was a young man, Moses witnessed an Egyptian taskmaster beating one of the Hebrew slaves, one of Moses' own tribe. So Moses responded in a fit of rage, and he killed the Egyptian, and he buried his body in the sand. The next day, fearing the consequences, which he obviously hadn't thought through very carefully, he left Egypt and fled to the land of Midian. We live in a culture today that commands us to do more, to achieve greater feats, to accumulate more accomplishments. But if these goals are the only ones we set, not only will we also make these impulsive and unwise decisions, but we will miss these moments of glory and wonder. It turns out that many of us would never slow down unless we were told to do so. So God does exactly that. God tells us to slow down. When giving the 10 rules to govern our lives, the 10 commandments, God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The word Sabbath comes to us from the Hebrew word Shabbat, meaning to rest. 
We are meant to have a day each week when we rest from all our chores and our work. But God's command doesn't end there. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keep it sacred. This command is not telling us that we should simply have a day when we veg out and watch TV and drink Mai Tais. We're meant to have a day each week that is set apart, that is holy, where we are thinking about the wonderful and glorious things of creation, where we are thinking about God. And despite this command, many of us are very uncomfortable with stillness and silence. And we're so uncomfortable, we fill our lives with distractions. The average American, that means the average one of us, watches TV for three to four hours every day and spends another two to three hours a day on social media. We're distracting ourselves. We're numbing ourselves. We're blocking out all of the silence with all this stuff. We fill our minds with so much stuff that even when we sit still, our minds are still running at 100 miles an hour. When you read the Bible, have you ever noticed that God often speaks to people through their dreams? I wonder if this is because people of the Bible, just like you and me, had lives that were filled with so much stuff, so much busyness, that God couldn't get their attention during the day. There wasn't any room for God. I wonder if God speaks to us through dreams, because that's the only time when we are still enough to hear God's voice. After fleeing from Egypt, Moses found himself in Midian, and there he became a shepherd, and he was forced to slow down, literally moving no faster than the speed that his flock could graze at. And it seems like his personality began to change in these years. While he was caring for sheep one day, he saw a bush that was on fire. But notice he didn't run to put the fire out, and he didn't rush on by. Instead, he slowed down enough to notice something amazing. This, fush, this bush was burning but not being consumed. It was a wonderful sight, an awesome sight, a glorious sight. And because Moses slowed down enough, he was able to hear God speaking to him out of the burning bush. That was a wow moment. Eventually, Moses returned to Egypt and he called the Israelites to leave their bondage and he led them into the wilderness. Our reading this morning takes place when he's in the wilderness. Moses goes up Mount Sinai to be with God and he returned with tablets of stone with the law written on them. However, the Moses that went up the mountain was different from the Moses who came down the mountain. The time with God changed Moses. His face now shone with God's glory, we are told. His face shone so brightly that Moses needed to put on a veil before the other Israelites could see him. They were blinded by the light. In other words, when Moses spent time with God, Moses became more like God. Remember that as a result of spending time with God. 
The book of Exodus tells us that Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights atop Mount Sinai with God. So what did Moses do during all this time? We're told that he wrote down these 10 rules that God was instructing the Hebrew people to follow. 40 days to write down 10 rules. Now I did the math on that. It turns out Moses was writing down one word every two and a half hours. It sounds like he wasn't making efficient use of his time. It sounds like he was dilly-dallying. And that's the point. When Moses was in God's presence, he wasn't rushing to scribble down these 10 rules as quickly as he could get them on the tablet. Similarly, you and I are called to create some, some space, even in our busy lives, to slow down, to stop, to wonder, to be amazed, even if we don't think that's the most efficient use of our time. After all, when we spend time with God, we become more like God, more loving, more generous, more forgiving. But you may be thinking how in a practical and a concrete way do we find time to marvel at God's glory and be transformed by his presence? Well, I, ha I have two recommendations. First, make time for weekly worship. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, God said. Even more so for you overachievers, you can get to church a little early and spend a few moments in prayer preparing yourself for worship. Second of all, find time to seek and see God's wonder every day. You may find your mind drawn to God by going for a walk on the beach or reading a devotional or practicing yoga. And if so, that's wonderful. But if you want a more structured and organized way of seeking wonder, there's an ancient prayer called the examine. The examine leads us to consider God's wonder and then be transformed by it. The examine is a prayer that's meant to be practiced on a daily basis, either first thing in the morning or last thing at night before you go to bed. It begins with a time of awareness and gratitude when you reflect on the positive experiences you had in the day past and how you saw God's presence and how you reacted to God's presence. And next, you, you look at the day ahead, not only the, the mistakes that you have made, but how you can become more loving towards God and your neighbors. As an aside, if you want to know more about how to pray the examine, I'll make sure we send it out to you in an email this week. But the examine, in short, is a prayer that helps us to slow down, to create time for wonder, and time when we can consider what God is calling us to do. I suspect that Peter, the disciple of Jesus, was not very good at slowing down. When we first meet Peter, when Jesus calls him, do you remember what Peter's doing? He's working, he's fishing. And after the crucifixion, when the disciples think they'll never see Jesus again, do you remember what Peter goes to do? He starts fishing again, he starts working. And in the book of Acts, he's constantly traveling around, constantly moving from one place to another, meeting new people. I'm certain with all that Peter traveled, he had diamond status on every airline of his day. 
Peter was a leader of the other disciples in part because he was driven and energetic, often pushing towards action and concrete, measurable results. However, slowing down and stopping and making time for awe don't seem to have been among his natural skill sets. Today we read about the transfiguration when Peter, alongside James and John, saw Jesus transfigured. His face was changed. His clothes were a dazzling white. Moses and Elijah appeared alongside Jesus. This moment seemed like a perfect time to stop and simply say, wow. But instead, notice what Peter does. Peter wanted to get on with the next thing. He wanted to maximize his efficiency. He wanted to act. So Peter starts looking around and thinking about how he can build three huts. What sort of foundation is he going to lay? How is he going to connect into the, the sewer system? How is he going to connect to the, the HEA, the Hebrew Electric Authority grid? And with this plan in place, Peter speaks up and says, let us make three dwellings, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Instead of simply marveling at this awesome experience of God's glory and God's wonder, Peter jumps to action. And I have to confess, I think I do this same thing in my life at times. When there's a moment of silence and stillness, I immediately try to, pick it, try to fill it. I pick up my phone, I log into my email, I check my text messages. As Peter was laying out his plan to take action, to build these three huts, we read that a voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, stop speaking, stop rushing, Stop planning, stop doing, just listen. And that's what you and I are called to do today, to make time for God, to slow down, to experience the type of awe and wonder that can transform us. After the Handel and Haydn Society completed their concert, no one could find the little child who had exclaimed, wow, the president of the orchestra, David Sneed, sent out an email to their whole email list. And he eventually received a response from Claire Matten. She explained that her nine-year-old grandson, Ronan, was the child who'd charmed this concert hall. She went on to explain that Ronan was autistic. Not only that, he was almost entirely nonverbal. He very rarely spoke and never spoke in public. But somehow the beauty of that concert that evening evoked this reaction from Ronan. Wow. A few months later, Ronan was invited back to the Handel and Haydn Society. And although he didn't speak this time, he was given a private tour by Harry Christophers, who'd conducted the event that evening. Christophers said, it makes us as musicians just feel incredibly humbled. Ronan's reaction was so lovely, so spontaneous, so real. And that's what God calls us to do, 
to make time for real reactions of awe, of inspiration, of wonder. We are called to create times in our lives when we can gaze upon God's beauty and God's glory and simply respond by saying, wow, amen.